Welcome to Revenue Jam, powered by Sales Assembly. With monthly live sessions, interviews with our executive team, and exclusive conversations with revenue leaders across B2B tech, this podcast is guaranteed to help you close the skill gaps across your entire go-to-market team. If you're looking for weekly, relevant, and timely content like this, go ahead and subscribe. Let's get into this episode. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeff Rossett, CEO of Sales Assembly, and we're back for another episode of Fireside Friday. I'm joined by Steph Sanders, who's the head of sales at Contract Book. Uh, I've known Steph for a while. She's an awesome contributor to the sales and tech community overall. Super excited to have you with me. Steph, do you want to give a quick hello before we just dive right into it? Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks, everyone, for, for listening in. So like Jeff said, my name is Steph Sanders. I and the head of sales for the Americas at Contract Book. We are a Danish-based company that focuses on contract lifecycle management. So you know we help streamline and automate the the processes around your your contracts, but giving you a lot more access to the data within your agreements that allows you to streamline information where you need it to go and, and who it needs to get to. So I've been here for about two years, focus on helping grow here in North America as we continue to go to market. Cool. Thanks for joining me. The first question that I want to dive into is something that I'm sure you'll have some good perspectives on. I know that you're working your way around the country. You go to a lot of events. You network with a lot of other sales and revenue leaders. You're very active in the community. So not many people have their finger on the pulse of kind of like what's going on throughout B2B tech, quite like you. There's a lot of change going on. There's a lot of new things that are happening, and there's a lot of uncertainty about what's coming up in the future. So kind of give us your hot take on where the trends are going, what some of the things are that people could expect to see, and kind of like where the puck is heading. Yeah, I feel fortunate that as part of my role here at Contract Book, I get resources like Sales Assembly to go and have conversations like that and meet with people in similar roles. And going through similar things, you know, a lot of times those conversations can feel very cathartic that like, okay, it's not just us. It's not just us struggling with these things or they're experiencing this too, you know, that kind of thing. And so I think obviously things aren't easy right now for anyone out there. Like everyone seeing deal cycles extended and more buyers needing to be involved in a decision-making process and, you know, probably more hurdles than you've ever had to go through before with, finance budget approval or a security review here, a legal review there, it's, it's gotten difficult and it's difficult for every single person that I talk to. That doesn't make our numbers change though. That doesn't make, you know, what we need to accomplish any different. And so like, even for, for us here at Contract Book, you know, we primarily work with the SMB and mid-market. And so, you know, our average deal size kind of obviously translates to that, but we're working with six, seven people in most typical sales cycles at this point, you know, contracts touch a lot of different groups and the ability to manage, you know, the consensus across a team of of that size, even at a relatively small company is tough. And so um, I think that one thing that we're really focused on, you know, as a company is like how we're going to be able to manage this difficult landscape and understand, you know, hey, we don't have as much pipeline as we used to. And more and more people are out there bombarding prospects with cold outbound. Everyone's getting budget taken away from them. And everyone's frustrated with that sales motion right now. 
And so how can we focus on leveraging the successes that we've already had to help grow even within like our customer base more so than net new business? Um, I think one of my favorite presentations from Remix at Sales Assembly earlier this year was Kevin Chu from Catalyst. He kept talking about how like we've passed the point of, of product-led growth and we passed the point of sales-led growth. It's like we have to really focus on customer-led growth at this point. And I think that's really going to be that kind of linchpin of success for most organizations over the course of the next year or two, all things balance out in the the economic environment of how they're able to grow despite all of the challenges and all of the noise and everything else going on. Yeah. And uh, so you're the second person that we've done an episode with that's brought up Kevin's presentation from Remix. We'll drop his LinkedIn profile into the show notes so folks can follow him. And it sounds like... We might have to get him on stage for uh, for our next event. We just announced that we're doing it again yeah. in New York City in October. <laughs> so we'll have to bring Kevin back, obviously. So like, how do companies go about doing this? Because so many companies for years have just been focused like outbound, 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 and just driving yeah. new logos. And of course, like retention and expansion have always been part of the name of the game, but so much of an emphasis and then the resources that get invested, the tools that get implemented, the training that gets provided, the hiring that's done. So much of it is focused around new logo acquisition, go-to-market strategies for new business. Like how do companies make that shift, whether it's like operationally or from a philosophical standpoint with how they operate their go-to-market team? I think there's probably a lot of lessons that can be translated from one to the other. I think that like, to your point, like everyone's focused so much just on like building out BDR teams and building out AE teams and all of that emphasis has been on net new for so long. There's so much learning that can probably be taken and used for true strategy that focuses on parts that have probably been a little bit neglected. One of the things that we did at my company I worked at previously was we had BDRs who focused on multi-threading deals where we had active ops open. We were selling much more in the enterprise space and that was still a net new play, but something like that can be facilitated within your customer base. If there's people that you can focus on and get in touch with that you've never actually leveraged before as part of your partnership. So I think a lot of what we've gotten so accustomed to on the new business side can be taken and used on the customer base where you have those relationships, you have that in already. And so it probably should be a little bit less of an uphill battle to have those those wins and, and successes. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I think by default, when sales teams and revenue teams are feeling the heat like they are now in terms of like hitting a number, and it's really difficult, they double down even further into prospecting and into let's get out there and meet new customers, which of course, like that's what sales assembly is focused on doing. It's what everybody is focused on doing, but you also can't lose sight of the fact that like spending time with your customers and having good, meaningful conversations, even if they don't have a renewal that's up. In the next six months, like that could be very, very well time spent and it generates referrals. It gives you insights that you could apply to sales conversations with new customers. It allows you to develop ideas around like new product offerings and iterations that would make your product stickier or make it more valuable upon renewal time. And I think that people just take it for granted sometimes when times are tough and they say, well, we have our customers, let's focus on 
the CS team just kind of like going through the motion to renew them and mm-hmm. let's put our strategic focus on, you know, outbound and new business. And let's not forget about the goldmine of like knowledge and benefit that could be derived from interacting with and, and just spending more time with our current customers. For sure. The ability to connect with them. So either, like you said, get referrals or get insight into what would make your business better. Like all of that's going to pay back in dividends. I also really think the sales tech landscape, the MarTech landscape, it's gotten to be something that what takes up like six pages on a slide deck at this point to even show the logos that are relevant. I think there's going to be a real shift in terms of the companies that focus more on the CS side and ways that they're helping companies grow the business over the course of the next couple of years, like the Ditos, the user evidence, the catalyst, like those types of companies that are really enabling teams that are, are still sellers, but have never had all of the different options that the typical new business has. I think those are going to be the ones that really take off over the course of the next couple of years. Great perspective. I love it. Switching gears for a minute. Talk to us a little bit about your evolution as a leader. You've been through multiple different roles within the sales organization in your career, uh, individual contributor and frontline manager, and now obviously heading up sales for the Americas for contract books. So, you know, what are one or two like main lessons that you've learned that you've carried with throughout your career as it pertains to leadership? Yeah, I don't think it was an overnight success by any means. I'm sure maybe there's some people that I worked with years and years ago listening to this that could attest and agree, but I got into management super, super early. I was very young. I think I was 23 years old when I got promoted into my first like BDR manager type position. Um, and it was an overnight transition. It was like Friday, I was their peer. Monday, I was their their manager. And, you know, I, I struggled a lot, like just knowing how to find that balance between the personal and the professional. Not saying you can't or shouldn't have those connections with the people that you manage, but it has to be different. And then for me, one of the biggest hurdles that I had to understand and come to realize is everyone doing the same role isn't going to go about it the same way. And me as a leader, like it's my job to make sure that that I'm adapting to them rather than them adapting to me. And so everything in terms of, you know, how to manage them, how to communicate with them, how they manage their day and everything to achieve results really needed to be looked at like on an individual basis rather than as a whole. So I think those were were kind of like the the big lessons that that I learned. You know, I wish maybe I'd learned a little bit quicker. But then, you know, over the course of my my career, pretty much the next 10, 11 years, like I was primarily in different types of of management positions, you know, primarily starting out on the biz dev sales dev side to to start and then moving into managing like full cycle reps and everything the past five or six years. But when I came to contract book, it was honestly probably one of the best career moves that I made because we were brand new in this market. I was basically one of the the first boots on the ground, helping close deals and really spending time as an IC for the first time in forever. And to me, that's just been so, so beneficial and powerful in terms of truly understanding and having empathy for what reps on the team are going through on a daily basis. I think that I got such a better understanding of the sales process and what the playbook needed to be and all of the stuff that you forget about when it's been 10 years since you've been doing it every single day. Yeah. 
Hey, you know, bike, though, right? I mean, you know, you don't forget how to sell. You might be a little rusty with your discovery questions, but you, you can hop back on that bike and you're off and running, right? For sure. But, you know, it's also just the understanding of like the reps themselves, you know, and hey, I get why HubSpot maybe didn't get updated at the end of the week, you know, and just those little things. And so I think that that has helped me a lot to know how to, to work with them. I think that, that most most teams and most people respond best to leadership when they feel like you're an advocate for them and you have empathy for them and you truly understand the challenges that they experience on a daily basis. And that has given me a clearer lens and clearer perspective than I had had probably in a while. Let me just peel back one other thing that you mentioned a few moments ago about managing and working with people understanding the individual components and traits that they have. Was there any sort of like assessment that you've used in your career that's been super helpful when interviewing or ramping new reps to like really have an opportunity to understand like what motivates this individual versus another? What's the way that this individual prefers to receive feedback or recognition versus their peer that has the same title as them, but might be completely different of a personality? Yeah. So we actually... We did this recently at Contrary, you know, in the past year or so. There's a company called TT38. They're out of Copenhagen, I believe, which, you know, that's how we got connected with them. Yeah. But different of those assessments over time, I've gotten teams to just take the, the Myers-Briggs and things like that as well. I think that one's obviously pretty well known and widely accepted. There's a lot of information on, on how to communicate with each of the different types there. I'm an ESTJ, like to the core. So anyone who knows what that is can probably get a sense of of who I am. But the TT38 was really, really interesting because it broke down strengths of each person and then weaknesses of each person. But it also broke down a lot of like communication styles, conflict styles, stuff like that. And it was really helpful to understand, okay, these are the 10 people on the team here. This is me. How to map those communication styles to one another. I found it to be really interesting. Yeah. Even as a small company, Sales Assembly, we only have 13 people, but we started using an assessment about a year and a half ago called the PrEP profile. It's unbelievable the amount of accuracy that these profiles provide you with your peers of yourself. And we as a leadership team, a couple of weeks ago, we worked with a consultant to kind of like just help reset the leadership team. Like, here's the profiles of everybody on the team. Here's how you all should best interact with one another. If you can have people and you think that, oh, because I enjoy collecting information or receiving feedback in a certain way, that I'm going to do that with like my direct reports or my peers. And you could be pushing the exact wrong buttons and getting the exact wrong output that you're expecting because you're not meeting them where they want to be. And it couldn't be more important, especially in a remote environment where you don't have a chance to like build relationships and, you know, have that personal connection. If you're doing something over Zoom or over email, like you got to understand the way that your people are built. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, me personally, I'm very direct. I'm very transparent. That's how I want to be communicated with, but not everyone is the same. Yeah, totally. All right. I just have one more of a personal question for you. It's a two-parter. Okay. Okay, so you're out. Favorite place to stop in and get coffee? Is it Dunkin' Donuts? Is it Starbucks? Or is it other? So Starbucks is the go-to. I love the 
the brown sugar shake and espresso. I probably have spent more money on those than I, I'd ever care to, to tally up. But I will say if I'm traveling or like running out, even in, in Boston and Richmond, where I spend most of my time, I do enjoy going to like the local coffee shops too and, and trying yeah. those out. I think that's a really great way to explore a city or get a, a good understanding of visiting somewhere new. So Starbucks, if it's the only option, but otherwise I'll try the the mom and pop. <laughs> okay. Got it. And uh, I, I was motivated to ask that question because I have some, some Dunkin' Donuts coffee sitting here on my desk. If I'm like <laughs> downtown in Chicago or out for like work, I'll pop into a Starbucks like all day long. But for whatever reason, if I'm like dropping my kid off at camp and I'm like driving back home and I feel like stopping somewhere, I always stop at a Dunkin' Donuts if I'm like taking it back home. It's like some weird psychological thing for me. What do you get? Is it a special drink? No, no, no. I'm super boring. So like my wife, she'll do the, you know, she'll do the whole thing where she literally has to text me her order so I can <laughs> person so I don't get it wrong. And me, it's just like going to Starbucks. It's just a medium pike with cream and two Splendas and I'm super easy. Okay. And then like, if you, if you do find yourself at a Dunkin' Donuts, like what's your favorite kind of donut? Ooh, donut. Probably either a Boston cream or I like just like the old fashioned cake donuts, which I know is a little strange, but there's just something about them that are really good. I love it. I would probably go for just a, like a standard traditional jelly donut, like mm, chef's kiss. Old Can't school. <laughs> Steph, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. If people want to connect with you or follow up, like what's the best way to do that? Yeah, feel free. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Obviously, I'm I'm on there. My email is very easy too. It's just sds at contractbook.com. And yeah, this was great. It was awesome to, to catch up with you. Okay, Steph, great to see you. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revenue Jam. If you want more practical tips and sales leadership advice, join us for our monthly live sessions. You can join in the conversation with Todd, Sam, Jen, and Matt every single month by going to lp.salesassembly.com slash live. And if you're looking for a solution to upskill your entire go-to-market team, check out salesassembly.com slash tour to see an ungated interactive demo. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.